Hello, this is Pablo Sabaleta. This is Troy Dini. This is Kevin Phillips. This is Jürgen Klopp and you're listening to the big interview with Graham Hunter. Thank you, Jürgen. I travelled to all these interviews from Barcelona and our socios, our beloved members, keep us on the road. This independent podcast would not happen without them. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to become a socio, to become one of our members and get an extra big interview every month, plus loads of bonus content. So go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Graham Hunter, and we'll bring you joy. the big interview. Let me take you into the wonderful world of Ryan Fraser, Aberdonian, a Scottish international, flying winger, or is he? You'll find out. We're going to take a little dance through cooking lessons, dressing your dog up in family tartan colours, throwing a bit of meditation, focus, concentrate. There'll be bittersweet moments like a win, a first win for his current club, and what happened at Stevenage? It was horrible. The influence of his dad, Madrid. No, not Cove Madrid in Aberdeen. Real Madrid and playing against Ronaldo, Fabio Contrao. Look, lots of stories. An incredibly intelligent, articulate guy. And he'll touch on Pep and Eddie. Why wouldn't he? The big interview is is back because we've had our Christmas holidays and it's quite a strange coincidence because the one that you're all listening to right now is uh, James Milner who committed a pretty notable foul on the man that I'm sitting looking at and talking to right now because we're in uh, Bournemouth, we're at the stadium, he's just finished training and we're with Ryan Fraser. Ryan, thanks for taking a fellow Aberdonian down to this hotbed of football. Is it because it's a little bit like Aberdeen? Is it like Balmady Beach here? Is it, is it or just warmer and nicer here compared to Aberdeen? Uh, yeah, I would say it's a lot warmer. <laughs> when, I, when I go out in cold days now, I always need to wrap up um, now. But um, when I first came down, I used to go out just with a T-shirt on, but not anymore. Because the breed is quite hard in Aberdeen, and people don't understand how flipping cold it is up there, right? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's got the, one of the best beaches that I've seen. But it's too cold for everyone to go down in some bed. Well, can you imagine, so, before you were born, but all the players who won the European Conference Cup, they used to train on the beach mm-hmm. and go and um, help their muscles relax by going into the North Sea, yeah. including in winter. I mean, that was under Fergie, so I suppose you had to do it. But, like, could you imagine? Can you tell people? Like, bits of their toes must have been left hanging off. Yeah, I mean, it's, I feel it's bad when we do it down here. But I remember when I was up at Aberdeen asking Neil Simpson what it was like when he was there. Some of the stories that he'd, when they used to just train in the freezing cold, the wind, nothing sheltering them, and then they had to walk over, jump into the water, full 12 minutes in the water. I'm thinking, not a chance I'm doing that. I suppose it's cheaper than this cryotherapy or that I see that all the clubs are investing in now where you, all the players are in there and you're in what looks like a sauna, but it's blasting you at 50 under, whatever. Yeah. So the North Sea is definitely cheaper. That's probably why Aberdeen liked it, yeah, I'm going to say. Yeah, 100%. It's just there in your doorstep. How'd you got them to go in? I, I just, yeah. It's beyond me. So if I made a comparison between Aberdeen and Bournemouth, can you take us into the into the car? Because when you come down here, the boss picks you up and drives you around the town to show you Bournemouth, right? To, yeah. That's, that's pretty special, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. I mean, getting the phone call and then obviously he's coming, driving around and it's a little bit awkward at first. But best behaviour. Oh, yeah, yeah, best manners. Um, Seatbelt. 
Definitely oh yeah, only. definitely. Yeah. I mean, I jumped in the back to start with. And he's like, "What are you doing? Get in the front." So <laughs> I'm not sure um, for right. Yeah. 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 But, um, no, he's he's just that's the type of manager he is. It's not all about football. He wants you to feel safe off it, to know what you're coming into, your surroundings, and that's why he's a top guy, not just a, a top manager. Yeah. But when you're been driven round. Because Eddie's obviously, you know, Eddie's been on this series. Special guy, we, we get that. We aren't coached by him, but we, we listen to him, we watch him. Mm-hmm. He's a special man, not just a special football guy. But when you're in a car and you're looking around, what are you seeing? Because, you know, you, maybe you're tough, maybe you're bright, but you're 16-ish. Yeah. You come to the other end of the country, and you must be assessing as you're looking around. What, can you go back to, to the journey and think, what, you know, what were you seeing? Because it was obviously the football, the club and the coach that would make the ultimate decision for you. Yeah. But what was that experience like? Yeah, well, the first thing he showed me was the beaches. So it was nice for me to come down and, and see not just the football ground, um, not just the training facilities or, or the, the football bits, but just off the pitch. Show me where the lads most live, just where to, to feel comfortable. Um, if I was struggling on the pitch, then he, he says, look, they would help me off the pitch. And the first thing that I'd done, he'd done for me was help me get cooking lessons. So I didn't know how to cook, obviously, being living with my mum and dad up in Aberdeen and First thing I'm doing is cooking pasta. He's like, no, you can't have pastas every day. So just go and, uh, go and get some cooking lessons. And that's why I've turned into a decent chef, I would say. Well, all right, then. You've, you've taken me down a little alley. But best, best dish? Oh, I like a risotto. Yeah, maybe a butternut squash risotto. Oh, baby. Yeah. Listen, salivating already. I like a bit of butternut squash. I really do. Yeah. What type of rice? Uh, Arab, is it Arabetta? So it's just like rice, it expands a little bit, yeah. it's a little bit chewier, isn't it? Oh yeah, definitely, I mean, I like it al dente myself, but um, I've, I've done it, I've cooked for some of the lads and they've cooked for some of me and I would say I'm I'm in the top five chefs at the club, so. Top five? Yeah, top five, yeah. Who's, who's better than you then? Well, I'd say Simon Francis is very good, but all he, all he eats is greens, so um, oh, yeah. Quite boring. That's not really cooking. That's, that's that's boiling. Yeah, true. That's not a chef. I would say. <laughs> so, Simon, I'm sorry. You're out. So you're now top four. Yeah, so I've ruled well, him out. Okay. Dan Gosling, very good. Yeah. Um, he loves the Hello Fresh, getting them in. But he, do you know what I mean, he's it, that tells you how to cook it. So, so like when when I hear Guardiola like giving City a row because they've won a big victory, happened to be here, and he goes into the dressing room and they're all on their mobile phones and social media and he gets furiously annoyed because it's like team bonding. You are all in there like with recipes and swapping recipes in the dressing yeah, room. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we're sociable, yeah. We, we help each other out, best dish wins and stuff like that. So. It's really impressive. And then one of the things that makes me curious, because we're here because we really admire you, like evidently watching you is fun. As a Scot and an Aberdonian, I'm really proud to see you succeeding in the Premier League, not just here. But when we talk to footballers, you know, they often tell us in this series quite unusual things. So, for example, I guess you didn't grow up watching Charlie Nicholas because of your age, but you, you know of him, you mm-hmm. know him. You know, he was a special footballer too. But he's also, he was portrayed as being absolutely cock of the walk, confident. We sat there and I just asked him what was it like when you came down to London. He was significantly older than you. Yeah. He, when the title was Celtic, he was a Scottish international. He said he was, he was lonely, he was unhappy. He had to call his sister to come down. And I was like, that's really unusual. One here, a Scot admitting, we're not very good at admitting our weaknesses or flaws. Yeah. We let hide them. He was saying, no, 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 it was terrible. So what was the experience of just being away from home or in a new place at 16? Exhilarating, but worrying. Yeah, no, the first thing I'd done was honestly go and buy myself a dog. I did bring someone down with me, uh, a girlfriend down with me, but that didn't last very long. I mean, she got homesick quicker than I did. <laughs> so, but then I had little Maisie that I've got now and I've still got her. And it's just something to go home to. Bad yeah. day, good day, she's always going to be the same. Yeah. So she's happy to see you. And I think a lot of, 
a lot of lads nowadays just play games, Fortnite, um, PS4 is after fr- football training, but you've got that responsibility to not just sit in your house by yourself. You need to go out and you need to walk down the beach with your dog and then you start looking at the lads and they've got dogs and then you, you start making friends with them. So we've got our pre-game ritual, me and Dan Gosling on a Friday night where we, we go and walk the dogs and before a game and we feel like it's good luck. But mm. it's just it's that type of the thing that I've I'd done when I first came down because I have heard stories about loneliness yeah. and... Let's be honest, it's the furthest way I could have got from Aberdeen. But so Nobody's um, nipping down to support you. No. I'll just come down tomorrow for a visit. It's, it's yeah. expensive, it's a long way, 100%. people work, you know, your family work, and whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, it just, it's a smart decision. What what made you think about, oh, I'll get a dog or a pet, what, why? Um, do you know what, I've never actually had one. Mm. And uh, I've just heard stories that when you come down, you might be by yourself. It's just nice to have a companion there to, to help you through these things. Type, what, what's, what is Maisie? What type of dog? Uh, she's Yorkshire Terrier. Um, so nippy and small. Yeah, but she's... I'm not one of these where I do dress her up sometimes. <laughs> <coughs> this is the bit where the player normally says, that's off the record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes, sometimes she's got, um, she's got a couple jackets, but... Tartan? Um, oh, yeah, she's got a couple, yeah. She's got a couple. A little Daddy Scotland one as well, so... Oh, We'll probably keep that one off the wraps as okay, well. We'll, 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 <laughs> we'll play white noise over that. That'll, that'll just, that battle just disappear. I'm really impressed. That was a smart move. And um, when can you remember a moment where you sort of went, oh, "I really like this place. This is home," or "I feel settled," or something happened where it's like you open the curtains and it's not like Scotland. You can see the blue sky. Or are you like I'm a little bit eccentric, but I'm utterly drawn by the sea. Don't give a toss about beaches, but I need to have a big river or sea near me just to orientate myself. Think. To, to do with growing up in Aberdeen. Yeah. Do, do things like that make a difference to you here? Yeah, I mean, if it didn't have the, the beach, we always go back to the beach here because um, we've got it good. But if it didn't have that, then I would have struggled a lot more. I mean, I do a little bit of meditation myself. Okay. So I sometimes go down there and just it's just nice to hear the waves and stuff. But um, a lot of footballers getting into that sort of meditation now. Yeah. Just to, so much things going off the pitch that it is um, mentally hard. So the, I just do that to help myself out. But I would say... First, calling it home. Do you know what people say when you do well at your football, it comes home and it's nice. So mm. I think the first maybe, I first they came down, I got injured, tore my hip. Um, I, I'd done it up in Aberdeen against Celtic, came back from it, signed for Bournemouth and I'd done it again. So I couldn't really get to know the lads, so I didn't really feel at home the first couple of months. And maybe the next the next season when we got promoted to the Championship, I started playing a little bit more. It's probably when I started feeling, right, this could, this could definitely be my home. Mm. And I still say to this day after football, I would love to come back and retire here. Yeah, we, we last time, well, the first time we were down, we noticed that, you know, you're 15 minutes away from Harry Redknapp, you're 15 yeah. minutes away from Graham Souness. They love it here, absolutely adore it. Okay, yeah. they're slightly further out. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we look, Harry's Garden goes down to the beach. Yeah. You, you know, in England with palm trees and Unbelievable. Some boats going by. Yeah, I can understand that coming here. Like, when you talked about uh, your football and, and the impact you made, do you remember the first few games? Because when you started in whatever, did one under the championship, whatever, mm-hmm. you went sort of four or five games, debut and whatever, and defeats. Yeah. And you talked a little bit about you and Dan having superstitions, and every footballer I've met has got superstitions. At that first game that you won was, I think, Stevenage. Yeah. And you, you, you come on and you come off in the same game. But yeah. So what, that little chunk of five, six games, do, do you have memories from them? Yeah, I, I remember that game that you've just said. I actually had a conversation with Eddie Howe about two weeks ago about that game, that just remembering them days, not all about the good days. And 
at that time I felt so alone. I think I came on around the 60th minute and five minutes later, the Eddie Howe was saying, go down, fake an injury. I was thinking, what? Like he's like, yeah, just fake an injury. So I went down, he's took me off about 10 minutes later, 70th minute, and he says, oh, just like you weren't affecting the game or I don't, I made the wrong substitution. So wow. obviously from that, I think I was 17 years old or 16, My that's when my confidence went. It, mm. took, a, it took a massive hit and I don't think I played much that season mm. um, in League One. And it took just getting a couple of games in the championship the next season to, I think Matt Ritchie got injured as well. So me and Mark Pugh played on the wings and that got my confidence back a lot. But that game sticks out in my memory. I remember it to this day, that, that bus journey home, I didn't speak to anyone mm. on the phone to my mum and dad after mm. the game and just thinking that maybe, maybe I made the wrong decision here. But yeah, bad moments make you realise not to jump too much at the good ones. <laughs> they make you stronger if you're on the, on the lines of, you know what? What doesn't you know kill you makes you stronger. But yeah. you have to be strong enough to to, to cope with that first. Because coping with that impact of that disappointment and the humiliation—not in your situation—but mm. when that happens to a footballer, oh, yeah. feels shit. Um, it doesn't happen too much. I can tell you, like yeah, accept that. Come on, then come off. I accept that. And listen, all Graham's are special. Like your dad's Graham. Yeah. You you talked really interestingly about how he helped you when you were unclear about being given a little bit of either grief or strictness from Eddie about, this is what I want, this is what I don't want. And and he, your dad didn't just give you fatherly advice, he was quite a good counsellor or quite a good sounding wall. Is yeah, that right? Yeah, it is, yeah. I mean, you know what parents are something's like, they, they, want, they obviously want the best for you, but sometimes when you tell them stuff, they, they agree with you and you sometimes don't want them to agree with you, you want them to just tell you how it is. Mm. And I think my dad was good like that. I mean, he didn't batter my confidence. He was very good with it. He sometimes went, he sometimes agreed with the gaffer. If I went and says, oh, I don't agree with Eddie here, I don't agree. He was like, yeah, but look, look don't think it your way. And he, he would tell me different ways to think about it mm. and look at it at the other point of view. And then you start to think, well, maybe it was the right decision. So I think he was very good like that. And I mean, I could tell you so much about my dad, how much he sacrificed. He had a very good job offshore. We used to live on, in Oman in the Middle East and... He uh, quit his job just so I could come back and, and start football no, at the age of, I think it was about 12 years old I was. Wow. So he used to work offshore in the Middle East mm. and earning very good money. And we were in an English complex um, and my mum would look after me. And then once he see me kicking a ball about, he was like, look, I'm just going to just sacrifice the job and we'll go back to Aberdeen. And that's when I joined Cove Boys. Um, that that um, later on that year. and That's amazing. Yeah, and that now he's just got, like, just he just... Yeah, he works. Yeah. Because apart from sacrificing the financial side and mm-hmm. security, yeah, his vision of you at such a young age to to take a punt that cause every parent sees their child with some degree of talent, they kind of think, well, could this be good? And then you're like, no, okay, just put away your ambition. Yeah. Be realistic. Let, if there's a chance, let them. But to go like, I'm going to back my son's ability when he hasn't seen enough to think that he might become a professional footballer. That's a big roll of the dice, and it's impressive. Yeah, very true, and. He still says today that he would, even if I didn't become a professional footballer, he still wouldn't have regretted his decision. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it's um, it's obviously what your families do for you. But when when you look back at that, and if he, if he wanted to stay out there and earn good money, and he might have never sacrificed it, I've never been a footballer. So, do you think about um, the joy he gets when he sees you nicking past Bellerin and you know putting the ball in and beating Arsenal? Like, do you talk about that? Yeah, no. He, I mean, he's. He texts me every day. How was training? Did you enjoy it? He never asked. Like, did you do well? It's like, did you enjoy it? He, do, he doesn't care if I have a bad game. As long as I enjoy the game and he's, he knows I'm happy, then that's all he cares about. So, 
But when it is good, I remember, um, I think he, was, he watched my first Scotland goal yeah. and he just broke down in tears mm. and stuff like that. And my mum was saying, yeah, he, he was jumping up for joy and stuff. And when, what, that just makes you smile, do you know what I mean? And when you're doing, I'm doing quite well this season in the Premier League, it's... I don't think about the stats and all that. I'm just thinking about like my mum and dad's happy, like my family. My granddad was saying the other day that when he they always go to this place in Aberdeen for a little coffee. I mean, they're eight years old now, and people asking them, "Oh, Ryan's doing well," and they're like, "Yeah, my nana loves speaking about me. She's got she's got Alzheimer's, my nana." Oh, so, um, but it's funny how they just just remember the things years and years and years ago, but they yeah. don't remember the here and now. Yeah. But then my nan will just yeah, light up and just speak to her friends about what I was like when I was playing football as a kid and stuff, and it just makes you happy. That but your, so in other words, your football and your ability to give her joy brings the real yeah. grandmother back because yeah. the, the clouds part. We, we um, Neil and, uh, Neil's not here, but Martin, Neil and I sort of participate a little bit in the work and Neil's dad's very strong that the football memories do, mm-hmm. that, that you can get groups of people with t- dementia or Alzheimer's, predominantly men, but they're given images from something that was important to them way back. And the wife that takes them in that sort of has lost a big chunk of their partner because of dementia yeah. says, I get an hour of him back. And for you to be doing that for your own grandmother yeah, is astonishing, isn't yeah. it? No, it is, because it's... It is one of the worst, obviously, diseases you can you can get. It's it's horrible seeing, obviously, if the, one day they will forget who you are. Yeah. So, but to to get that that life back in her and just the, the smile and stuff and speaking to her or like friends and like when when she is out with my granddad, it's it's fantastic. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Who'd you get this from then? I'm going to. T- I'm going to I, I don't know if you remember Donald Smith, but this is Donald speaking. I may disagree with this. Ryan wasn't the most talented of the players we had in his age group at that time, but he was by far the most hardworking and determined. I used to see him out on the pitch, used by Cove Thistle most evenings, kicking a ball out with his dad, about with his dad, and working on his skills. Most of his pals were probably at home playing computer games, but Ryan was out in all weathers, kicking a ball off the fence, an effort to make him the best player he could be. Mm-hmm. The, those, those tendencies, um, I'm betting, don't come from ambition. I'm sure you weren't out there going, like, I'm going to be a multi-millionaire Premier League player. Where do those sort of personal tendencies in you come from? Um, I don't know. I just, I think if you grow up with a family that are 
humble in what they do. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how to, to really nobody, answer that. Nobody kind of went, you've got to do that. Your dad, your mum, no. your grandparents do this, do that. So in other words, it's, it must be coming from just natural from within. Yeah, 100%. And I think it was a lot different back 10 years ago. I think, yeah, there was PS4s or well, PS1s when it was. But I don't know when... It was just a thing that we had such a good little group of players like Graham, Shinny and, and his brother Andrew that we just we went up there and when it was after school, I just remember that my dad would just would say, or I would say to my dad, do you want to just go up for a little kickabout? And he, it, it's no pressure. It just used to be just, we just, my dad used to smash a ball up in the air and then we'd just have a little bit of fun, see who can control it the best. I don't know, it's just, there was no pressure on to become a footballer, a professional footballer. Mm-hmm. It was just... I think it's when your mum and dad uh, see you smile, and I was obviously smiling, just kicking a ball about, that they want to do it even more and more, and mm. it makes them smile. So, yeah, I think I remember Donald. He was so We had Cove age groups all the way up um, when my dad came back from Oman, and Donald was the head of it all. And I probably wasn't the, the best footballer there, but at the same time, yeah, I, I agree with him. I think just going out with my dad every, every night was was just me improving without me realising it hmm. do you know what I mean now I'm having fun doing it yeah exactly was it Cove Madrid if I made that up yeah, yeah we um, I think that was <laughs> oh, there was a, it's like a little tournament and yeah. it's uh, everyone just put in their, their teams it was nothing serious but it would get serious I mean you'd try and pick the best best people from Cove like oh, do you want to be in my team do you want to be this and we just called ourselves Cove Madrid and we had people uh, played my played at Aberdeen youth teams, Lee Ritchie, Darren right. Forbes, yeah, yeah. Um, who played started at Cove, and we all joined Aberdeen, and um, we just called ourselves Cove Madrid, and we just went on to win everything in that little tournament. And yeah, I just I can't remember. It was like we just thought the Champions League team in Madrid were like the biggest we could find, so we just gave it to Cove Madrid. Victims in 1983 to the Mighty Dandies as well, so maybe that was part. Yeah. of it. Or just allowing me to fantasise <laughs> like that. And then you know, if if you're pardon me being the most obvious link in the world, then I mean, you end up playing Madrid. Yeah, exactly. I mean, probably TF. Yeah, well, <laughs> starting the game and yeah, it was um, Ronaldo scoring a free kick. And you don't want anyone scoring against you, but when you see Ronaldo stanch a free kick in the top corner, I mean, I was clapping myself. <laughs> <laughs> Seven 0 down at the time. I think well done, well done. Boy, that boy can hit it. He's got a future. Yeah. Let me reel it back. The word gets out. Somebody says, "Ruben, did I come to town? Is, is, how was it? How was the message spread? What did that feel like?" I mean, when they're shutting down roads, um, they get the whole hotel to themselves. Bournemouth done, I think, at the time, everything to get them over. Um, I think they, I think they even flew another aircraft over just for their duvets and their mattresses, so they could all have their mattresses. So it's it's mental. And yeah, when when Ronaldo's coming and we had Marcelo playing, we had yeah. we had we had everyone. Modric, yeah, Kadira, yeah, it was. I mean, they didn't come over with a like a, a reserve team. They played everyone. So when, when you're looking at them on the pitch and... Lope, Diego Lopez, Carvajal, Nacho, there's an obvious question coming. Pepe, Cuantrao, uh, Modric, Cadira, Ronaldo, Isco, mm-hmm. Oso and Benzema was, just, was their starting eleven. Which side were you asked to play on and who were you up against? I was against Control. OK, that's yeah. better of the two complete Carvajal, I'd say. Yeah. You, you, what was the experience like, football-wise, mentality-wise? I just wanted to treat it like a normal game, if I was honest. We knew they were going to have loads of the ball, like yeah. you do. But, yeah, I, do you know what? I actually played all right that game. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it was our, was it our first championship season? Or it might have been our second championship season, I think we played them. 
and it was so sunny. I just remember, and I think there was more Madrid fans than there was Bournemouth. I mean, it was just it was incredible. And I don't know. I I, I think I thought I actually done well that day. Um, take away the scoreline, but just playing playing with these against these guys. I've never felt anything like it. Space where I thought I was going to get space, you don't get space. Just the quickness. You think, I sometimes feel like, oh, the big teams, like they slow it down and stuff, but the speed they play at is incredible. And to get their best players on the ball, they've always got ways to get their best players on the ball, which I love, because obviously you want your best players on the ball. And it's not as easy as just, right, we'll give it to them. Just the movements they make to... To create space for them. So to draw you, they'll be thinking three, they'll three passes ahead. 100%. Going, I'll tell you what we'll do. Our aim is to get to him. Yep. We'll do this, that, this, that. We've dragged them. Look, there's the space that we were building towards yeah. that kind of thing, right? Yeah. And it was, I remember Ronaldo was out on the wide left and the trial, I had him and just for him to get Ronaldo on the ball, he just ran me away into a, like a position that I've never been. He just ran in field and I was like, oh my God, do I go with him? So I went with him and it just opens up Ronaldo mm-hmm. just to run at his defender and do his stuff and mm-hmm. it was... Yeah, it was a moment I'll never forget playing a team like that and just 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 watching them just every touch. Just, yeah, it's, that's what awesome. I was going to ask you. Like the concept that in the in the Barca school, they use this phrase of you know because we all talk about one touch football, half touches. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if you'd notice when you mentioned their touch, were more of them two footed? Did they take less time on the ball? Did it feel like their decision-making was already run through the pitches in their head before the ball came to them? Yeah, I think it was all of that. And it was just... They, t- they knew where their next pass was going to be. Their, their touch was not just a normal touch. The, the way they touched it to a side, knowing their next pass. Mm-hmm. Like Sometimes I just take a touch and then, then I look up. And But they, they had already known what their next pass was. And it's like they manipulate their touch so yeah, well... Yeah. It's it's incredible. They just get that that half a half a step, a half a yard, and it just you can't do anything about it. And that's what happens when you play the top players. You think I've got them, I've got them. No, I, I ain't got them. What just happened? Yeah, and it's 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 how they manipulate the ball and and find that space. Were any of them surprising in any ways? Oh, I didn't expect that. I don't know if it's um aftershave size noise aggression friendliness. I don't know. Uh, they were very friendly to be fair after the game I mean they didn't just walk off inside mm, they, they spoke to us yeah. which was nice but I don't know like I don't want to I think Ronaldo just how much he worked I don't know what it is now I watched him against I've watched him a couple of games and some people do say oh, he doesn't maybe work as hard as, as other players but in a pre-season game where he could have just jogged around and he, he was tracking back he was he was doing everything and I don't know. Just maybe that was what was the, this was about? What four years ago we mm-hmm. played them? It might be different now, but it was it was how much he worked. And sometimes he does get scrutinised for his work rate. But I think you might not notice him doing as much as others. But he does do it, it effectively. There. Yeah, so yeah. I'd say. Well, I'm impressed. It's not often that you get um, that I get the chance to speak to British footballers who who thought analytically about those teams I watch them week in week out and I enjoy it very much indeed and I admire them because I think that broadly they have tended to have more technique more technical skills and, and like the ball better yeah. than we do in this country and so, a little thing came out there that you didn't feel particularly out of your depth in their company no I didn't no I mean you obviously knew they were much better players than myself yeah. but at the same time I didn't feel like I was out there and I, was, I didn't know what to do and they were, they were making it they were making it hard for me but I did feel like I, I stood the challenge um, I got past Marcel um, Contrao a couple of times 
and got my balls in. I should have scored that game, actually. Yeah. And, yeah, I just... I thought, personally, on a personal note, I came out of the game thinking, yeah, we've, we've been hit by a big scoreline, but personally, I thought I, I stood up to the challenge quite well, where I could have sank in a hole and... Yeah, it couldn't have been a nice a nice day for me, but it was. I, I saw you recently comparing um, Eddie Howe and, and Pep. Mm-hmm. You're reading one of the Pep books, books, I'm yeah. not sure which one. And um, where were the comparisons? The hard work, the in-depth anal- analysis of every little detail of you know what they're going to bring and we know what we're going to bring. Small runs that might affect the other team's movement, um, space, just everything, and I, I just remember um, Rondo's um, the boxes. Yes, yeah, Rondo's, yeah. Um, uh, and just most teams I've ever seen is about getting megs, about just dilly dally. It's just like a roll your foot on the ball type thing. But when I read the book and read what we do here, it's not just play around. It's now this is going to improve you. Um, fast ball speed, um, one touch. Um, Pass appreciation. It was everything. Reaction to get into the box, not just jog in. It was you sprint in after you've lost the ball, and that's what the Barcelona's, the Man City now were best at. The Bayern Munich is reaction press. When the top players lost the ball, they don't just oh I've lost the ball. They get it back and they get it so high up the pitch that that's where they score a lot of their goals from. It's been revolutionary because it's changed the idea of football. In that losing the ball was always a relatively bad thing. In long ball football, it wasn't that much of a problem, but the. Messi's one of the best at it and, and like you talk about Ronaldo people don't really talk about Messi pressing because he doesn't do a lot of it but when he does it one of the things you'll see from when he's four to today mm-hmm. is that if he sees a pass or sees something that he'll, he'll put it in and instantly he'll be betting that if his pass is intercepted or if the teammate doesn't quite that whoever is getting in the way in the opposition team won't be as quick mentally as him so he's on the chase and teams are often at their weakest when they've intercepted a messy yep. pass because he's on them and takes it back again. Yep. That reaction press. Yeah, no, it's, it's a lot of teams that I've seen don't do it, but the top teams do. Yeah. And it's because when when you do lose the ball and the team get it back, they expand out. But because you get it back straight away, they've expanded. They're out of position. Yeah, they've lost their rigor. 100%. And Beautiful. everyone's narrow and everyone's close together. They're... <laughs> It just you just penetrate them even more, and it's um it's amazing that I've just seen so many comparisons to the book and even even modesty. When I see Pep in interviews, and if a team has done well, he'll say they've done well. Do you know what I mean? It's not yeah. all about his team, but just yeah, they're so humble men, and I just like that down to earth away from football. I think they I watched um a documentary on it as well of Man City and. The humbleness and the I like how he is with his coaching staff as well. I mean, they're like a big family. I think it's it's very tight unit, and we've the gaffer's got that here as well. And I just I, every little thing I was you know I just kept going, yeah, we do that. That's like yeah, and it's obviously I'm not obviously Pepe is, is is top top top, and Eddie is is very is very good. I'm not, but just comparisons is just yeah. It's but you share a mentality with with Eddie. It's really clear that there's an affection and an affinity. Uh, but you see, that, that isn't just because he's found a really important player for his team that wins in points and scores goals and makes yeah. goals. There, there seems to be some affinity between the way you both think about life and think about football and analyse things. Yeah, definitely. Um, but that started when I just first came down, to getting me cooking lessons, taking me out for, for meals when I was alone. And I think it's, 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 it's obviously helped me. It's, he's, 
yeah, it's um, we do think of football clearly. Um, we have, we, we, not for it to say, we sometimes hug each other in the morning instead of just a handshake. It's just I don't know. It's just it's that. quite a continental thing. That's not you know I don't think it's very British. It? No, it's not. Yeah, it happens, but like it's very continental. Yeah, and it's like even just he'll speak to all his players, um, but like yeah, I'll, I'll have a joke with him. It's just yeah, I, I don't know. It's just one of them that we we are we are close. We do think football about the same way I, I, I think personally and we know how much it means to win games and yeah even even off the pitch he's he's, he's a family guy I'm, I'm quite quiet mm-hmm. um, he likes to keep himself to himself and I'm, I'm exactly like that I like to keep myself um, to myself and just yeah just be the best I can be and I think he wants to be the best he can be as, as well well that's that's one of the you know in the interview that we did with him here he talked about um, being inspired by John Wooden but he also said, this is Eddie talking, I'm a believer in trying to make myself a better person first and foremost, and then a better coach. And I think to be narrow-minded and think football is the only sport that has solutions, that's wrong. Ultimately, I always talk about developing my players to the best that I can, and in which case, I have to develop myself as well, so that's what I try and do. Does that ring true for the manager you see? Hundred percent, yeah. I mean, he he meditates himself. He, I think, he, some managers. You, the main thing is a lot of managers is to get obviously the three points, to get the wins. But I think we do so much here about um, making yourself better. Um, manners, the small things that people don't realise, but will go a long way. Your thank yous. People might think, oh, like, I mean, you don't want to be known as one that. Um, arrogant people, arrogant. Yeah. yeah. So you can you can be nice off the pitch. You can be nice on it as long as you've got that little edge to yourself. But mm. I just you don't want to be known as not a nice person. So you, it's just, just small things like that. I think it's, I think what you're saying is it really touches a an error because I, I've been fortunate to get to know a lot of the World Cup winning Spaniards at Barca, Madrid. That predominantly they treat you very well. They treat you like a grown up, not like an enemy. Mm-hmm. You have to prove yourself, whether you're good or you're not. If you're not, you'll hear about it. If you're good, they'll give you a number, they'll trust you. But they'll also do little things, they'll reply back to you, or they'll say, congratulations, or happy birthday, whatever. And you're like, whoa, that's a big impact. Then I think, what about the fan, who doesn't have the privilege of seeing these people all the time? Yeah. Maybe see them once in a year, standing outside a hotel, or waiting outside a stadium, or whatever. And you do quite often see players um, walking by with headphones on, ignoring them. And I find that really odd. Mm-hmm. I find it hard to understand, and the way you phrased it is, it doesn't actually take much. Those little touches yeah. can can change people's attitudes. They can, you know, inspire love and devotion. Yeah, and it isn't hard to do. No, it's not. No, our sponsors are Bet Three Six Five. They'd like to know, and as would I, about David Brooks, mm-hmm. because he he strikes me from the little I've seen. I live in Spain, so I can't watch everything all the time. But he strikes me as a very special looking player. Yeah, he's on the eye. He is one of the best looking I've seen. In a long time. Um, what makes you describe him like that? Is it about balance or yeah. elegance or? Because he's got that. It might sound weird. He's got that little bit of height. He's quite dangly legged. Um, he's not pure muscle. And he just how he looks on the ball. How he just shifts his body. It's not stepovers. It's nothing like. It. It's just he jinx. Just jinx past people. And I think this season. I think he's been very very good for us this season. And um, I don't think he played much for Sheffield. But the catch that Bournemouth and the gaffer has got on him, he's going to be a top, top, top player. He could go, he could go a long, long way. Thank you for joining us for season 2018-19. 
We've got huge creative plans for the months ahead, but we do need your help to make them happen. Please go right now to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and become a social, become a paying member and get an extra big interview every month plus loads of bonus content. Last season, socios listened to nine exclusive big interviews including Rafa van der Vaart, Troy Deeney, Roberto Di Matteo and loads of me talking about football. The Premier League, the Champions League, Spanish football. I'm sure they enjoyed it and you will too. Support us, join us. Thank you.